Hey, welcome to episode number 194 of More Than Bread. And for everyone who didn't just jump into this spot just to check out the podcast, for everyone who's been all the way through the book of Ephesians over the course of the last 30 or so episodes, I know what you're thinking. Enough already. (laughs) I, I get it. We have an adversary. There's a battle. So don't just do something. Stand there in his power. Get connected to Jesus. Get connected to each other. Move on. <laughs> Almost. Almost ready to move on. One last look for now. And and like I started this mini-series within a series within a chapter, I started with a parable that Jesus told. Remember that widow who just wouldn't quit, who had an adversary? And, and, and Jesus used it to teach us that we should cry out to God for justice from our adversary. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go again. I'm going to conclude with another story about Jesus, but then go to Psalm 23, because I think it just kind of encapsulates some important truths about God's crazy battle plan. So I hope you follow along. Don't don't just shut it off. I, I think this is a hopeful episode in the midst of the darkness in the heavenly places. And I, I think we need to know how to move forward in a world that our enemy is seeking to destroy. Conflict by conflict, despair by despair, lie by lie, anger by anger. Because the enemy of our faith, the enemy of our souls is not content to sit idly by and watch the kingdom of God grow. Not not here, not anywhere in the world. And so he fights. I mean, you can't read the Bible without running into this this epic battle and and the fact that it continues on today. I mean, what if it's all true? What if Paul saw truth when he said, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the evil forces of darkness? I mean, if that's all true, do you suppose that a desire, a desire to build up the kingdom of God, to see revival, to be a part of a move of God might gain the enemy's attention? Do you suppose a renewed hunger and thirst for God and and holiness and purity and a passion for reaching out to the hurting, the compassion for the lost, the addicted, those in need, do you you suppose that might place us in the midst of the battle? If it's true, I mean, do you suppose there might be a reason for struggling marriages that go beyond the issues we face? Or or what about the discouragement, the, the anxiety, the loss of hope, the lies that keep finding their way from our minds to our hearts? Have you noticed lately? The opportunity for division, how how we draw lines and let anger flare? H- have you found that hard spot on your heart for neighbor that God called you to love? I mean, might there be a slim possibility? that it's not just circumstantial, that we're caught in the midst of a battle, an epic battle for the gospel. Would it be so crazy to think that where you live, a battle is raging between the forces of God and evil? And if so, man, how do we fight a battle that we can't see against forces we don't know with weapons we aren't even sure that we're trained for? I've experienced some battle. In fact, more battle in the last few years than I can ever remember. And in the midst of this, I was reminded of one of God's crazy battle plans. Let me start in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Picture a war camp, pre-battle. It says, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go, listen to this. This is the crazy battle plan. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. (laughs) 
Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you. No bag, no extra pair of sandals. Don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Just get going. Now, this wasn't just an evangelism crusade. Jesus is sending his disciples out to share the gospel door to door. Jesus was sending his disciples out to do battle. Later in verses 17 through 18, it describes the return of the disciples. They they came back and told Jesus that even the demons submitted to them. And Jesus said, you know what, you guys, while you were out, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Don't miss this. When we go out, if we want to see God move in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, we will not harvest without a fight. And here's God's crazy battle plan. (laughs) Now go, Jesus said, and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. (laughs) Jesus sends us into battle as sheep. How's that for a crazy stinking battle plan? I mean, how are we going to win this war? Be a sheep. (laughs) Jesus says, if you want to see Satan fall like lightning from the sky, be a sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about sheep. When we first moved back to South Dakota from California, when I was just a kid, we we raised sheep. Let me tell you what I remember about sheep. (laughs) Sheep are so stupid, and their stupidity is matched only by their lack of courage, which is complemented by a sheer lack of power. (laughs) I mean, sheep are nice. You, you don't want to go to battle with sheep. Sheep are easy pickings. They've been known to actually die from fear. From the beginning of time, sheep have done two things really well. They get sheared and they make a nice sacrifice. And if you have to go to battle, you don't want to go as a lamb for the slaughter. And yet, I am drawn to Psalm 23 as the key to victory in times of spiritual battle. And the more I looked at it, the more I became convinced that it does indeed contain the secret of success. Be a sheep. I see, what do sheep do when they're under attack? What What is the only hope for sheep when they're attacked? What is the only source of, of safety, the only possibility of victory? Where can weak, meek, fearful sheep go in difficult times? To their shepherd. To the shepherd. So let's look at Psalm 23, the battle plan. First of all, God's part. What does David say? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Do you notice who's doing all the work? (laughs) He leads. He renews. He guides. He's close. He protects. He comforts. He prepares a feast. He honors us. What does God do? He gives provision. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't lack anything. He he meets my needs. He provides. You know, over the course of the years in our staff meetings and congregational meetings at Calvary, we, we often tell God stories. And often a God story is just a place where we see God at work. And often a God story has to do with provision, a job when it looked like the doors were shut, a surprise envelope in the mail when there were more bills than money at the end of the month, freedom from an addiction or bitterness, a word of encouragement when discouragement was the order of the day. Yeah, the last few years have been some of my most difficult years of ministry, times that could have brought me to the end of vision, but at every point that my vision failed, God's provision has supplied all we needed. Even personally, a word of encouragement, a prayer, a word of scripture. And I found that he is faithful. Life is not always fun, but God is faithful, and I have not lacked. 
But do you know what occurs to me more than anything? The lack of my lacking comes from the fullness of his presence. And do you hunger and thirst to be full of his presence? If there's one thing David understood, it was God hunger, God thirst. I mean, just read the Psalms. We, we just went through the Psalms and more than bread. Oftentimes we, we read of David's hunger and thirst. He, he understood that we simply must have more the, of God. We, we must have more of Jesus in the face of increasing evil and, and discouragement. In, in a world where our programs and our ideas have failed, where, where the church has failed. In, in our country, the church has failed. We, we must have God. We need so much more of God, so much more of Christ, so much more of his spirit. And those who understand the hour we're facing are seeking him over and over again. We should find ourselves uttering a very simple prayer. Father, I'm just a sheep. I need my shepherd. Father, I'm just a sheep. I need my shepherd. I need green pastures. I need still waters. You know, we have to be led to the still waters before we can ever find restoration for our souls. Be still and know that I'm God. It's the prayer of presence. Intercession is good, but in this hour, we need the prayer of presence. We're sheep. We need our shepherd. He leads us to the quietness, a quietness which comes even in the midst of the battle. And there he restores and he rebuilds and he refines and he reconstructs and and reassembles and redirects and guides us in the paths of righteousness because he knows the path. You know, when we meet God, he's always coming back from where we're going. He, He knows where the minefields are. He knows where the enemy hides. He has provision. He's our guide. Are you standing at the crossroads of an important decision, a decision which might affect your life for months or years to come? You need God's perspective. And and you see that there are really only two options in life. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. But if I'm lacking, then he's not my shepherd. It's that simple. If we find ourselves lacking, perhaps it's because we're not embracing our sheepness. The shepherd provides, he also protects, Right? I mean, what do you fear? In, in battle, it seems the obvious fear is death. In most battles, that's, that's how we keep score. When we die, we lose. David found that he didn't have to be afraid of losing, and neither do we because the ultimate loss has been defeated. Valley of the shadow of death. You know what I realized? If there's a shadow, there must be a light. Though I walk through the valley where death casts its shadow, I will not be afraid because in my darkest times, even when I can't see the light, I see the shadows caused by the light. So I fear no evil. He he doesn't say there's no such thing as evil. He simply says that he does not fear it. Why? For you are with me. The sheep has his shepherd. And and then in the battle plan, what is our part? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I got all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'm not afraid because you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. What's our part in the battle? (laughs) I mean, basically, it's make sure we pick a good shepherd and follow the snot out of him. Excuse me. <laughs> we we follow. That's our part. It's all about following. It's all over the place in the first four verses. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores, brings me back, turns me back. He he leads me and paths his rod and staff comfort me. In John 10, 4 in the Gospels, Jesus said, The sheep follow me and they know my voice. Do you know his voice? 
Do you have voice recognition for the shepherd? Are, are you listening? Are you following? Are you just a believer? You know, believing is a spectator sport. Following is where the action is. Are you in the game or have you just come to watch? Players on the field or fans in the stand? But we struggle with being followers, don't we? I mean, why is that? Somewhere along the line, I think some of us came to believe that following was a performance issue. Like God was the great CEO in the sky and he had two requirements, show up and perform. And so we've devoted our Christian lives to quality control performance standards. We, we go to events and we assimilate materials. We get involved in ministry opportunities and better our lives with a Christian form of behavior modification. But our performance reviews, listen to me, they keep turning up with minus signs. And so at least for some of us, we're pretty close to giving up if we haven't already. But, but do you understand, following Jesus is not performance reviews, it's personal relationships. So let me invite you to consider the most important set of questions in your life. Is God worth following? And if he is, why don't we follow him? Well, Dan, I believe in him. That's not the issue. That's not what I'm asking. Do you follow him? You know, we shouldn't be surprised that church is born and people are leaving if we're not followers because churches filled with mere believers are always boring. Following is where the excitement flows. You know, we, we shouldn't let our voices be filled with cynical moans about how God never comes through for us if we're mere believers. Why should God come through for us if we're never willing to come after him? The question is, why don't we come after him? I mean, li- listen closely. Can you just hear God saying, can you hear the shepherd whispering to his sheep, why don't you trust me? I mean, isn't that really the issue? Why don't you trust me? Do we trust God? If we trust him enough to follow him, he will lead us to delights beyond imagination. He'll ultimately lead us to the party. He prepares a table, no fast food, picnic for two, in times of battle, enemies all around. You don't eat like that in times of battle. If a soldier eats at all, it's a sea ration, cold, quick meal, eaten on the run, not so for us, a table prepared in the presence of our enemies. Nothing hurried, no confusion, no disturbance. The enemy is at the door, and yet God... (laughs) prepares a table and we sit down and celebrate. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. This is a party in the midst of the battle. We party in the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a table for two. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me will harass me. The word is literally, will harass me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, the secret to winning the battle, the secret to seeing God do more than we can imagine in our homes and communities, in in our valleys, is to spend time at the table with God. The battle is won at the table for two. This is where it starts. Draw a small circle around yourself Make a determination that nothing, nothing will keep you from him. You know, for most of us, all we have to do is stop. He pursues us with his goodness and love. I mean, what does that mean? i me just give you this picture as we close. Imagine that you're driving down the road. For me lately, it's been 322 to Lancaster. And, and just outside of Midway, about halfway there, all of a sudden you see a red light flashing in your rearview mirror. And with that sight, a little seed of fear begins to grow inside you and compels you to push the gas instead of the brake. You roar down the road trying to get away. Meanwhile, every law you've ever broken begins to flash past your eyes. The song's... <laughs> that you stole 
the quote in your master's thesis that you forgot to footnote, tearing the tag off your mattress. <laughs> Meanwhile, you remember that one more ticket will give you enough points to revoke your license, and you won't be able to take that hard-earned vacation to the Outer Banks with your spouse. But but your 1979 Ford Pinto, some of you don't even know what that is. You think it's a bean. No, it was a car. It was not a good car, but it was a car. Your 1979 Ford Pinto just doesn't have enough power to get away, and he finally forces you over you sit there trembling as he walks up to your window and says, you must have a really guilty conscience. You you weren't even speeding. And then he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a wallet and says, you just left Shy Bear, right? Had one of those huge pretzels. I was there and they asked me to catch up with you and bring you your wallet. You left it on the counter and you feel like a fool as you reach out to take your wallet. And he says, oh, and there's one other thing. You were the customer who bought the 100,000th pretzel and and you want a free trip for two to the Outer Banks. God pursues you with his goodness and mercy. And then just when you're starting to breathe easy, the officer says, and now you're under arrest. You have to leave your pinto bean here and come with me. So you get into the back of his car and he takes off. And and soon you realize he's not headed to the police station. He turns down a side road into this incredible estate through a huge gate and under 200-year-old oaks overlooking the river. You drive up to this beautiful estate wondering where in the world are we And he says, this is my place, and not only do I want to pay the price for your ticket, I want you to live with me over there. Bring your family. That's your Cape Cod down by the river under the pine trees. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the only problem with that illustration is that it only barely scratches the surface of the incredible blessings of life as a sheep, even in the midst of the battle. Because ultimately, it's not about lacking nothing. It's about having a shepherd. It's not about fearing no one. It's about having a champion. It's not about having a banquet. It's about being invited by God. It's not about having a house. It's about being part of a family. It's not about being pursued in battle. It's about being found and loved by God. It's not about having the gifts of the giver. It's about being had by the giver of the gifts And if we had nothing but we were had by God, we would have everything, which simply means this. Listen to me. After all these episodes on battle, listen to this. It simply means the battle is already won and the best is yet to come. So don't give up. Stand up. Stand firm. Withstand. Persevere. Pray. Get connected to God and each other. Don't lose the battle that's already won. The best is yet to come. Let me pray for you. God, again, I just I pray for each and every person listening to the sound of my voice. God, I, I pray that, that we would be sheep, that we would learn the glory of what it means in battle to be a sheep, that, that, that the best thing that we can do in the midst of the battle is to choose a good shepherd, to pursue you, to be pursued by you, to follow you, to know that all the heavy lifting is being done by your spirit. You lead, you restore, you you provide, you protect. You prepare a table for the two of us. You want to be with us. God, I pray that, that the battle would not destroy our relationship with you. That's what the battle is for. More than anything, that's what the battle is for. The enemy wants to keep us from you. You pursue us. God, let us be sheep who hear the voice of the shepherd and come running when you call. 
Thank you for loving us. Oh, my God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being such a good shepherd. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.